Happy Birthday, London, England, 1942. Death was all around me when I was born, down in the cavernous depths of Paddington Tube Station. England was still reeling from the 57 days of heavy bombardment during the World War II London Blitz, which had left the city streets in piles of rubble less than a year before. Now Mr Hitler only sent over random bombs, which had gradually accelerated into the Baedecker attacks. These were so named from the popular European tour guidebook of the time, which listed places of interest like cathedrals and castles, including travel details, such as transport depots. No doubt of it, he was a clever little man, as he conserved manpower and equipment just for these targets. So, of course, railway stations and underground tube stations were very popular for the bomb squad, especially once it was known they were also used for safety centres. However, when the air raid warning went in March 1942, there was nowhere else to run for the Londoners making their way home from work, other than the nearest tube station, which, in my heavily pregnant mother's case, was Paddington. All right, all right, down below. No malingerers, if you don't mind, ladies and gents. Don't let Jerry win any points in this round. In true English stiff upper lip fashion, the wardens, recognised by their big W armbands and megaphones, quickly and expertly shepherded the compliant war-weary mass down into the unwelcoming jaws of the underground. Now remember, once you're down, you're down. We'll let you know when it's safe to come up again with the all clear and not before. So it's no use pestering us that you've just remembered you left the spuds boiling on the gas back home. Because we ain't gonna let you out. I must have been a particularly inquisitive fetus, because although not due to arrive for a week or so, the chaotic pushing and shoving of the mob made me anxious to know what was happening outside the comfort and safety of the womb. Whatever the reason, I decided to depart from my confined quarters a little earlier than anticipated, and with no consideration for the woman who had nurtured me for nine months, I tentatively made my intention known. Although only 20 years of age, my mother had been married for two years and was considered a mature woman back then, and the fact that her soldier husband was active at the front and had only been granted leave to come home for a few days at a time during those 24 months did not put her into a minority by any means. That was the way of it for all. Not only that, but this was still the era when nice genteel women didn't talk about the birthing process. The collective thinking was that it was quite early enough to know the details when you were actually in labour. So although it seems crazy in today's world, it is vaguely possible that Mother had not yet had the second edition of the Birds and Bees talk from Gran to know what was likely to happen now that something seemed to be happening. I still cringe at the emotive mix of embarrassment and terror she must have experienced at that time as the early signs of an imminent birth became known to her. On the plus side, the working class still expected to have their babies at home and there would always be a good many surrogate midwives in the community ready to give advice. 
But with the solace of these small luxuries denied her, I can only imagine how my mother felt as she found herself part of the sardine-packed mob making its way down, down, down to what was meant to be the safety of the underground. Come on now, ladies and gents, come on. No pushing, no shoving. Plenty of room for all. Adolf ain't being invited, so you're all safe down below. Truth to tell, the birthing process was not for the faint-hearted anywhere in those war years, but Mother was among strangers and forced to take up no more than a sitting position on a cold concrete floor racked with pain and an unmistakable puddle of water beginning to drain around her. Thankfully, as I later heard, a matronly figure standing beside her recognised the predicament of the waters breaking. Having given birth to her own brood of six, she quickly assumed the role of amateur midwife. Figuratively speaking, she then blew the whistle in a good union rep voice, cried out, Clear the space, you morons! Woman collapsing here! Baby on way! It says lots for the Brits that treasured overcoats were volunteered from a few gallant males prepared to render their apparel for a good cause and carefully laid on the floor. Taking full command, the formidable militant continued, Form a circle now, ladies. Get to it. Give the poor girl a bit of privacy. So now a dozen or more buxom women formed a ring and spread their skirts from around their ample buttocks while at the same time offering their own input. Put her on her side, why don't you? Nah, don't be a Charlie. Squat position is best. Mother Mary and Joseph, you wouldn't have caught me doing it that way. Well, it ain't you doing it, is it? Now, anyone got a chair? And where do you think you'll get a chair down here, you silly idiot? Who are you calling a silly what's-it, your great pillock? Only the Brits can abuse each other with such cordial familiarity and I imagine within a short space of time, everyone had proffered an opinion of how best to bring a new life into the world. A few opportunists quickly became bookies, providing 50% odds on the end result being a boy or a girl. And a few smarties were waiting to bet two bob each way. From time to time, the human shield would offer more advice from their elite vantage point. Now come on, girl. Push. Push. But once again, there would have been plenty of opposition. Nah, don't tell her that. It brings the kid on too fast. It'll tear her insides to shreds. What she needs to do is give little short puffs. Christ almighty, she's not smoking a fag. She'll be an old woman by the time the kid's born at that rate. Oh yeah? So what makes you an expert? I've done it myself six times already. That's what, Mrs Smartass... I'm not too sure how Mother received this advice. From my later knowledge of her, it would have been prim, polite and as ladylike as possible. For my own part, having begun the process, I believe I then indicated what would be a lifelong tendency towards indecision by faltering en route and after a long pause, changed direction to become a breech birth. It took most of the night to realign my entry into the world. And remember, at the other end, Mother was coping with absolutely no medication. At the same time, she was desperately trying to agree with, and also ignore, the growing group of wannabe midwives. Thankfully, the union rep lady took full charge with the usual rhetoric of, Relax, relax, ducks, come on now, relax. 
However, at some time thereabouts, I believe Mother disgraced her gentle upbringing by telling her what, in something akin to Warby language, just what she could do with that suggestion, but it was put down to the normal stress of childbirth. In this, she had an ally, as one foolhardy male was heard to take heed of Boss Lady's oratory with a counter-command of, Don't take no notice of her, lovey. You scream like blue murder if you want. Oh, yeah? Boss Lady's voice came up beside him. Didn't tell me that when I was in labour with our last one, did you? Told me not to be a wimp. Yeah, well, she's only a little un, ain't she? And you're built like a blooming hippopotamus. I am, am I? And what size was I when I married you? And had our Jimmy six months after the honeymoon, eh? Tell me that, Dr. Doolittle. All right, all right, bit of respect here if you don't mind, folks. These conciliatory words came from the warden and were temporarily endorsed by a respectful hush before the couple in marital dispute took to the crowds with a final turnaround from Jimmy's dad with... Dunno what the fuss is about. Women have been having babies since Adam was a perv. Which created more heated discussion in a gender-specific debate. I believe Mother did bring the focus back onto her more immediate plight by allowing the occasional groans to surface. To which the odd comment of, Poor little thing, it's her first too, could be heard. A few moments later and the advice again. Cripes, she ain't half groaning. What she needs is a tot of brandy. Anyone got any brandy? No, there was no brandy. When the pain got tough, there was no more than a clean hanky to bite on. So the advice kept coming. It all gave an entire new meaning to the phrase, the labour force. The process took most of the night, as did the air raid but I gather it also provided a distraction to the mass of frightened people trapped with Mother underground. At the appropriate time, a sharp knife was procured from an unknown source and lacking the prescribed boiling water to sterilise it in order to cut the umbilical cord, one commendable chap lit a match along the blade as a means of sterilisation. Narrative has it that the early dawn light began to envelop the city centre when I took my first breath. Exactly in time with the all-clear siren. The two sounds blended 70 feet below ground. And in total unison, the thousands of trapped souls gave an almighty cheer and whooped for joy. Whether it was for me or their immediate departure, we will never know but I consider it my first, and sadly, only, standing ovation. Postscript. A second, less audible cheer came from the 50% who had placed their bets on the outcome being a girl. Note. On the 20th of October 1999, the early preparations for the 2012 London Olympics were temporarily halted in and around the Paddington tube station when a £2,000 unexploded World War II bomb was found just 175 metres from the Reading to Paddington line. I nearly came and went on the same day. You have been listening to Happy Birthday. 
the first episode of a series of Recollections of an Old Lady in My Life and Death Diary, written, performed, and produced by Brianda Cross. If you have enjoyed this anecdote, please give us a good review on your favourite podcast platform. And maybe you would like to visit fastfictionpodcasts.com, where you will see a few illustrative photos. Thank you. Thank you.